And we are back. So glad to have you here on Unleashed. And uh, Eric, it's good to have you. And boy, what a week I've had today. You ever yeah. had those kind of days? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. What was that? Eight days a week? Wasn't that the Beatles or something? You know, I don't know. I never really listened to the Beatles. Eight days a week. Remember that song? Yeah. I don't know. Yellow Submarine. I want to hold your hand. I think I've heard that one. Yeah, probably. All You Need Is Love. Yeah, I think I've heard that one. Yeah. That was way before my time, but for some reason, <laughs> for some reason though, I've always liked um, the Rolling Stones. Oh yeah, but oh it, yeah, it seems like uh, it was that way, kind of with in my generation with you people liked Nirvana or they liked Pearl Jam. Yep, yep. So I yeah, I mean, know. how did you? You got um, you know Mick Jagger. How does that guy still perform? He's got to be like 120. I mean, the guy has got to be really old. I so last week on my other one of my other podcasts i the guest was the guitar player from great white and he was kind of talking about uh <laughs> some of that you know i mean it's hard on them especially if they've had a background of a lot of drinking right and, and that Drugs just puts, and all that yeah puts the miles on them so you know who surprises me is steven tyler from aerosmith how that guy can keep singing the way he's singing what a crazy voice well it's funny you mentioned that there's a chance that Steven Tyler is going to be on my other show really as a guest. So him and Mark, uh, from great white are good buddies. And, uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. That could be crazy. No, we just talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, we talked about Ted Nugent, you know, who was, um, one of my buddies had worked with him and, uh, I saw him on something. He was just talking about, of course, guns and politics and all that stuff. Sure. Which speaking of, um, you and I were talking before we started and I was saying, you know, do we have any questions and it was something connected to the shot show. What was that you were you were saying? Well, it was a week, you know, uh, it was a week of celebrity, so to speak. And you mentioned you bumped into a couple, one at the airport and one at the shot yeah. show. Who was it? So, you know, here I am at the shot show. If you if you're familiar with the shot show, you got all the you know the police and military and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's weapons and armor and everything you can think about, um, you know, to blow stuff up or whatever. And so I've been working that show, I think, since 2007. And you always get these celebrities. You know, I've seen, you know, Steven Seagal. I've, I've got pictures with Lou Ferrigno. Remember the Incredible Hulk? Oh, yeah. yeah. I got pictures with him and then the Gold Rush guys and some of the guys from the UFC. They're always there. And I'm sitting in the booth, and it was, uh, it was Friday morning at the show. And, you know, of course, the NRA's big sponsors of all this stuff. And I look up and I see this guy by himself in the booth. He has a hat on. He has a Kuyu jacket, camouflage. He has a red uh, flannel shirt. And one of the guys that was working at our booth, all of a sudden just jumps up, grabs his cell phone, and he says, hey, man, I don't usually do this, but could I get a, a selfie with you? By the time I realized who it was, he was there and gone. And it was Donald Trump Jr. And it was crazy because I didn't see anybody like security with him. And I'm thinking... There's like 80,000 people at this show. Where's security? And so a little bit later, I, I, I ran into a police officer in, in that part of the building, and I said, uh, that was who I think it was, wasn't he? He says, yeah. He said, but, um, you know, he, he was, he was kind of going in and out of the booth. I said, where was his security? I didn't see any. He says, good. He says, they did their job well then. They have, you know, like plainclothes guys, you know, of course, that just kind of follow them around. But, man, you think about it. You're at this massive show with all these guys that, you know, are big NRA supporters. and Yeah, it's you know, kind of his people, though, man. It's his it, people. You know, yeah. It, 
So yeah, you know, and anybody who would see something happen, man, they'd be on it in a heartbeat trying to jump in there. But yeah, including vendors and yep, oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. So his security detail is probably quite large, <laughs> and there's some big dudes. You know what? I know. Okay, I'm starting to put two and two together here. I remember seeing a team of about four guys that were off to my, let me think, they'd have been off to my left as he came in from the right end of the booth, and I, my attention was on them. They were they were pretty good-sized guys. I thought they were like a SEAL team because you get a lot of SEAL teams, Delta Force, Rangers, coming to this thing to see what you know kind of new stuff there is. Ah. Aha. Uh-huh. That might have been exactly, because those guys got your attention, and you didn't even think about this guy coming in with a ball cap, you know, and, hmm. Well, I may never know. Well, the other guy I ran into is, well, actually, I get back from the SHOT Show, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, but my wife Stacy and I, I was home less than 24 hours and had to get laundry done, and she and I flew out to uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, to speak uh, at an Amish country. We did a, a sweetheart's banquet that night. And so we get to the Indianapolis airport, and we're, we're at the, uh, where you check in with your airlines. I think we were flying American that day. And right beside me, the guy comes up to the counter, puts his bags down. I look over, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's John Boy from yeah. the Waltons. So I had this pulled up because you mentioned this to me, and I Waltons were way before my time. I, But um, he was in the movie It. Um, he was in the TV show Ozark, as you mentioned. And then, I mean, it just kind of goes on and on and on. It, you know, it was, it's like several pages, but yeah. The Americans, Chicago PD. He had been in Indianapolis, and someone mentioned they thought that he was acting in something that was going on down there a week. I don't know what it was, maybe some Broadway or offshoot. I don't know what it was. But it was pretty cool because my family, when I was a kid, you know, we would all gather back in the den and we would watch the Waltons. Da, 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 da. That's what we kind of did as a family. So it was just kind of neat to, to run. And then we get on the plane, and he's like right up in the front on the left, like the fourth seat in, and uh, my wife sees him again. And she just, before anybody can do anything, I'm like, I should have been running security for him because she jumps in, man. She's got her camera. And she's like, can I get a picture with you? And he was like, uh, yeah. And then, boom, the picture was done. Yeah. But anyhow. That guy's name is Richard Thomas. Richard Thomas. You yep. want to look him up. And you'd remember him, you know, he had the little round glasses. and the He has this mole on his face. Yeah. And, like, as soon as I, I was like, oh, I've seen him and. A, B, C, D. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, very distinctive when you see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of weird because sometimes we think about flaws we have, and sometimes they become the very thing, like, you're recognized for. Like Cindy Crawford. Mm-hmm. She had that, too. And you're like, all of a sudden, it became the thing. Girls wanted to to look like that. So, like, they called it, like, a beauty mole. Sorry, we didn't mean to be talking about moles on that. No, that's fine. <laughs> but it's it's true. I mean, just a neat guy. So humble and so kind. So... Um, it's been a whirlwind. Like I said, you know, boy, what a week I've had today. And I'll kind of fill you in because it ties in with what we're going to be be doing today. And maybe you've had that kind of a day or that kind of a week. And maybe it's just kind of been that kind of a month or a year. I mean, that's what it seems like it's been um, with all the attacks that have just been, you know, coming down, especially, strangely enough, since about September when we started this podcast, which makes a lot of sense. Got a really neat... Uh, I was going to tell you this, Eric, I haven't had a chance to see it, but got a text from a buddy, well, Roger, who was on our show back in like, I don't know, maybe week five, six, something. Um, the guy I was in the uh, in Colorado with a couple of different times when we had some really interesting things happen. But he said, man, I, I wanted to share with you a text a buddy of mine sent. He was a Marine, 
and they said they love this podcast. Um, they get together and they listen to it and they kind of use it as their men's small group. He says, I think every man should be required to, to, to listen to this stuff. So, you know, I'll, I'll maybe mention that another time and read it, but just a big shout out and thank you um, to Mike for, for texting Roger with that stuff. I love hearing from listeners. Yes. And we want to encourage you. You can, you can get a hold of us and Eric, that would be at podcast at unleash.men. There we go. So back to our story. I was in the booth, you know, Donald Trump Jr. had come up and it was about an hour later. We were probably 90 minutes from tearing down our booth. Shot show is going to be over with and I can't wait to get home, but Miss and Stacy can't wait to get back there. And I get this phone call. She never calls me when I'm at the show. I mean, in the, it's three hours difference for one thing, but it's like, 10 after four here, it was like 10 after one there. And I get this call and she's sobbing. And I'm like, what is going on? And she can't even, I can't even understand what she's saying. She's just, you know, just beside herself. And then she's like, I was just in an accident. Someone pulled in front of me and all these things. And she goes, I couldn't stop. She was doing about 45 and they were probably doing 40 and just a front end collision. Airbags were all deployed. You know, she's bruised up from all this stuff. She doesn't know what has happened. She's like in shock. And I'm here. I am a couple thousand miles away in Las Vegas and she's on the phone and you're like, what can I do? I mean, you don't, you, you, at that moment you want to rush in, you know, put your arms around her, whatever needs to happen. You want to be there. And when you can't, so now I'm making sure she's okay. I get off the phone. I call. I have an aunt that, that lived only about a half mile away. I get her to come up and maybe go put her arms around you know, Stacy. And, um, so it was just, just a really difficult time, but you know, there's been more than just that Stacy, um, you know, and, and she, she's okay with me, me sharing some of this stuff, but she's been having a lot of pain. And so we've been kind of worried about it and found out that it was an infection going on, but the antibiotics weren't really, weren't really doing, you know, everything, but she was starting to feel a lot better. And then this, this wreck happens and, I get where we get back from Harrisburg from speaking at that event, and the pain is is continuing, um, not at necessarily in the same location. So I'm starting to wonder, you know, the seat belt, the way that it is, the bruising, everything she had, was there something else going on? And so I get a message from her today because she's been in a lot of pain. And her message to me said, why can't things just stop? You know, if you're like me, uh, you know, you just want to jump in and fix things, especially when those, you know, that you love are hurting. But it's not, you know, always something that we're able to, like, immediately do. I mean, sometimes life just stinks. So one of the things we're going to talk about today is, you know, what can we do to create a a pressure release valve, so to speak, you know, like a, a pressure release valve on a pressure cooker. So we'll kind of start with going back to... Galatians 5. We're going to go into some scripture today. And, you know, we're really going to be talking a lot about, you know, uh, renewing a mind today, because when these things happen, it's going to create a lot of unhealthy emotions. And it's a lot of times something that we can't fix. And it's something that that God is going to have to be the one to step in and do it. But in those moments, how do we, how do we make it through those long periods when it's like, you know, when is this stuff ever going to stop? And so I was looking today uh, in Galatians, and Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
no, we have been set free. But then why is it that we still, you know, get hit with these, you know, unhealthy, um, you know, things in our lives, that these, these unhealthy thoughts that can really mess with us? So as I, was, as I was going through some of this stuff today, I started thinking about freedom. Well, I'm a big movie buff, and I know a lot of you guys are too. One of my favorite movies of all time, it'll definitely make my top five list, would be Braveheart. Um, I don't know if you can remember when William Wallace was being tortured. You know, he was about to die at the very end. But he is not going to bow down and cry for mercy. So when this, like, evil executioner dude in this robe, you know, thinks he's, he's finally got, you know, Wallace, you know, they're, they're torturing him. He's going to break and cry for mercy. Wallace lifts his head. And I remember the, the, uh, the executioner guy, whatever he was, is like, the prisoner wishes to speak. And finally, he raises his head, and instead of crying for mercy, you all know what happens. He cries out the word, freedom! And as the executioner looks um, to the guy that's going to like wield the axe and cut off Wallace's head, it kind of goes to slow motion, and Wallace turns his head in, those, in that final two seconds of his life, and he looks into the crowd, and out from behind two of his brothers that he had gone to battle with, he sees the love of his life, if you remember, who had been murdered earlier in the movie. And what he's seeing is, is like a vision, it's a glimpse, you know, of what awaits him. And she's giving him like the most loving smile, and he just smiles back seconds before they take his life. So, you know, he, in the, in, in the worst circumstance imaginable, in that moment, finds peace and assurance. And I, I know it's a movie, but I wanted to use that as an illustration so you can see the power of thoughts and how having the right thoughts can change us. You know, it might not change the circumstance, but we are changed from the inside out. And when you think about like a seed, you know, that seed has to be broken in order for new life to come forth. And so we look at things so many times, not that challenges are gifts, but that challenges are, they stink. Well, yeah, they do. But many times, that's when our growth really begins to happen, not only in wisdom, but our closeness to each other and our closest to our, our Heavenly Father. So this is where Romans uh, 12, 2 really reveals the power of Scripture to help us in a difficult time. So I want, I want us to take a look at that verse. And it says, um, now this is out of the, the uh, NIV, I think what I pulled this from. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Sometimes, you know, we question if God really understands, you know, what we're going through. I think we all do that. And so I pulled another verse up that I love, and it's, it's, it's 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. And I did use the, uh, the message paraphrase on this one, but listen to it. Listen to these words. Since Jesus went through everything that you're going through and more, Learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning away from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. That's huge. And, you know, it says that we're to, we're to learn to think like him. So that's kind of where we're going to be going because you don't just have emotions for no reason. It's your thoughts, whatever you're thinking, that's creating those emotions. So let's kind of go into to that. And, and what does the Bible say in addition to, you know, renew your mind? When you think about, 
It says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, we can't transform ourselves. It's the renewing of our mind that causes the transformation that God is going to be doing through his word, through time we, we spent you know, in prayer with him. Um, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Now, this is, again, I took this out of the message paraphrase because sometimes these things are just so much um, easier to, to understand than maybe going back to some of the other uh, versions. But 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So if I go back to, um, oh, let's see. You know, again, I'm going to go back to another message paraphrase. This would be uh, verse 10, 3 to 6, and this is so cool. I love Eugene Peterson's um, interpretation of this. It says, the world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. And that's what Stacy was talking about. She's like, when's this ever going to end? It just doesn't seem fair. Well, life isn't fair, right? And it's really hard sometimes. It goes on and it says, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. We never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought, emotion, and impulse, which is the action, into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are at hand for cleaning the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Okay, so then how do we? How do we take every thought captive? Because we, we've heard that before. We're just how do, you, how do you do it, especially when life is closing in and it feels like stuff is just never going to end? Now, let me just kind of give a precursor to this. This isn't going to be a fix-all um, because life is hard. You know, when, when Jesus came, when, when Lazarus had passed away, when, when Jesus, you know, weeps, it's not necessarily for the reason that you were thinking he is, he is weeping. He knows what he's going to do. He's going to be bringing, you know, these, um, he's going to bring him back to life. But everyone around doesn't understand all that. So you can imagine the grieving that is happening. And let me say something about grief. Grief is not an unhealthy emotion. You know, if you've lost a marriage, if you've lost a child, you've, you know, you lost a job, whatever. Grief is real, and it is something that you're going to have to um, walk through, and it's going to take time. You can't just use, like, the four steps to get out from grief, right, get out from underneath it. But when grief goes on so long that it causes us to do a lot of unhealthy things, there's other thoughts that are going along with that grief that are beginning to take control of us that we have to untangle. So what I want to talk about is it's more than just untangling grief because that takes time, but it's the stuff like just happened. You know, what do you do like when um, your, your wife's in a car accident several thousand miles away and you can't be there? Because you can imagine the thoughts going through my head, which were creating unhealthy emotions, you know, and in that moment, if I'm not thinking straight, I might do something, you know, crazy, like go get a rental car and try to drive home for three days, which is stupid. But things like that cause us to really do dumb things sometimes. So let's just kind of look at this. So first, the first thing I want you to do, let's imagine right now that you are going through a difficult situation and you're, you're trying to get out, like I said, that, that pressure release valve on the pressure cooker. And I talked about this in one of our very first episodes of Unleashed, but this is one of those things you can't get enough of this. So, man, if you've got a, a paper and pencil and you want to walk through some of this stuff with me right now, I think you'll really benefit from this. 
not only will you benefit, but it's something that you can be maybe walking your spouse or someone else. And I'm not saying you're, you're teaching or fixing them. You're just um, like a beggar. You're sharing where you found a loaf of bread. These tools you can, you can share with others. So the first thing you have to do um, is you have to identify the unhealthy emotion, emotions that you're experiencing. And you have to write them down. Okay, don't just think what they are. Get that that paper and pencil, and you're going to write them down. So, how do we know then what emotions would um, classify as unhealthy? So let me take you back to this because this is going to be key. My emotions are unhealthy when they line up with the deeds of the flesh in Galatians chapter five. You know, if I'm having things like lust, anger, rage, jealousy, all those things, we know those are unhealthy. So if you're having those emotions, you know they're not coming from the Father. They're coming from the enemy. Because if your emotions are lining up with what is true, um, things like love, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, fruit of the Spirit, you know that the the thought that you're having is coming from God. Again, if the emotions line up with the deeds of the flesh, the thoughts that you're having are coming from the enemy, But if they line up with the fruit of the Spirit, you know that what you're hearing, the thoughts you're having are coming from the Father. So, you know, in in this circumstance, I was just, you know, sharing with you about like the car wreck and just all kind of health stuff, whatever. I would say probably the, if I was writing these down right now, I'd say something like um, there'd be fear, uh, worry, you know, um, doubt, you know, did God really know what's going to happen? Are we going to be taken care of? Um, probably anxiety, that would be at the top of most people's list. So let's just kind of stick with those four for whatever, uh, for argument's sake, for this uh, example right now. So I've written those down. So the next thing that you're going to want to do after you've written those down is you have to identify the unhealthy thought that you're thinking that's creating those emotions. Again, you're going to write these down because it's what you are thinking that's creating the unhealthy emotions. We're not trying to identify the healthy emotions here or healthy thoughts. We're trying to identify the unhealthy ones because those are the ones that we need to be treating. So when I'm thinking about the thoughts, you know, my thoughts, um, you know, in this circumstance might be, let's say, um, like the car accident that she was in. You know, of course, you know, is she okay? You know, that was one of the first things you're going to want to make sure you know, is, is your is your spouse okay? But what if the other driver denies responsibility. You know, when she got a hold of me, she says, I was going through the light. It was, it was just about to turn yellow or it was starting to turn yellow right when I got to the intersection. But she said, but I, I don't know. She goes, and so other witness had, had, witnesses had come up and said, no, no, you were fine. It was the other person that turned across in front of you on the yellow. But the, the, the thought might be, you know, what if the, the driver denies responsibility? You know, what if they're uninsured, right? We, this happened over a week ago. And we didn't even know until today I had the insurance agent finally get a hold of me because on the, on the thing it said, you know, unknown whether they had, um, you know, insurance or not. But we found out today, yes, they took responsibility was their fault. But health issues, you know, I was worried about what had happened to her. So you can imagine the anxiety and the worry that we created in me. Um, you know, what about you? What if you have to have surgery for something? Some of your thoughts might going to be things like, you know, is it going to fix the problem? You know, am I going to have any lasting side effects? You know, I'm going to have any noticeable scars? Um, you know, like with Stacy with this after that accident, you know, if she's got to have some other stuff done or whatever, you know, is, is she um, going to have to take off work? 
you know, are there going to be like crazy emergency room bills or if she has to have surgery, whatever is going on with her right now, you know, how are we going to pay those? But one of the things that the enemy loves to do is he loves to keep our thoughts in a bad place. And what does he do? He uses past and future thinking. You know, it's either the past is all about regret, what we wish we would have done, and future thinking is more like about, you know, what might happen in the future. Well, we, we can't control either of those things. We have the present. But every one of those questions, you know, that, that I just talked about is tied into a future thought. So, well, the enemy will also, like with the past thoughts, um, I said, uh, you know, what if the other driver denies responsibility? Um, and I've seen that happen before. And if you were to finish that statement by saying, well, they might, because I've seen that happen before. Well, you're predicting the future and you're, predi- and you're going back into the, into the past in that same sentence. And the only one that knows the outcome of that is, is God. And, you know, he wants us to put that stuff in his hands. You know, I, I talked a couple of weeks ago on trust and seeing God come through in moments when you wonder if he's really seeing or if he really cares. But I, I, I challenge you to go back. And it might not be in the moment that you, you see him come through, but his plan is, is, is like, a, uh, like a fine tapestry or a, a carpet where it's woven with all the different threads. It takes time. But in the end, we begin to see this beautiful pattern as his, as his plan comes together. So after you've, you've identified the unhealthy emotions, after you've identified the unhealthy thoughts, the next thing you have to do is you have to identify God's truth. What does he say in his word? Because that's what matters. Um, you know, in Proverbs 18, 24, God promises to stick closer than a brother. Deuteronomy 31, uh, 6 says, Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, and what I'm doing right now, when I said we have to identify God's truth, that's why I'm giving you these scriptures. Let's look at Philippians uh, four nineteen. It says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So you have to go back and find the scriptures. You know, I, I used to have, Eric, I don't even know if this is still up or not on the internet. Maybe you can check it while I'm doing this. But it was called The Truth Finder. And I, I, I'm trying to remember what the, uh, it might have just been www.thetruthfinder. Take a look at that and see if it's still up there. I had created a tool for renewing your mind. Whatever you were going through, you could find out, like if it was you were struggling with your identity or difficult circumstances. I had all these different verses you could be renewing your mind with. And one of the things that I used to do with that is I would put it in the original text, the verse in the original text, or I would do it in first person. Like, let me think about this for a second. Like James uh, 1, where it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind. I would insert Brent. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. For you, Brent, no. no I, and I would interject my own name so I would personalize it. That's a really great way when you're renewing your mind is to put your own name in there. Um, but here's the thing. So we, we went with identify the unhealthy emotions, identify the unhealthy thoughts, write them down, identify God's truth. But here's the deal. If you don't do number four, nothing changes. It's kind of like when you're going through the 12-step and they do like, what do they call it, the one, two, three step or whatever, they don't go on to the next step. The last thing you have to do is you have to renew your mind with these truths. That's why the, the, the Romans 12, 2 says, you know, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
you can list all these things, but if you don't renew your mind with what, what God is, is, is um, saying in these, these verses, you're going to be stuck in the same place. So here's the thing. You, you have to personally choose to renew your mind. Again, if you don't, nothing changes. You get to choose. Are you going to be choosing anxiety or peace? Are you going to be choosing uh, fear or boldness? Um, maybe doubt or trust. What's it going to be? Worry or assurance? I, uh, let me just kind of bring this, this back here for a little bit. I had a guy that I was working with um, to renew his mind. He'd gone through a divorce years ago. And he calls me on the phone, and he's sobbing. He is a mess. And the first thing I'm worried about is, you know, is this guy going to, you know, is he going to hurt himself? You know, that's one of the first questions I have to ask. You know, are you a threat to yourself or whatever? And finally, after about 10 minutes of this guy just complaining about everything in his life and crying, I asked him, have he been renewing his mind with the scriptures that we'd identified that fit his specific situation? And, of course, he replies, no. So then I ask him to go back and renew his mind with those true statements that we had identified in step three, like I was talking about, and then call me back. So this guy calls me back in less than an hour, and he goes, dude, I feel so much better. He goes, why? I said, because you chose to renew your mind with God's word. You have to follow through with renewing your mind or nothing changes. So as I'm kind of wrapping this up, let me just kind of get to like one of the last stories here, and I want to walk you through this. Um, so maybe another four minutes or so. So let me just kind of break down this guy's story. So he had gone through a divorce. Um, he had lost, you know, all of his children. His wife, of course, got the, and we know sometimes how that can work. And I'm not saying it's, if the court system is, is always right or wrong on some of these things, but we know sometimes, and especially in this, this was difficult because his wife had had an affair and, um, and she got the kids. So it was really difficult. And again, when my wife was saying, you know, when are all these things going to stop? And we talked about why isn't life fair sometimes? You know, sometimes it isn't. And I don't always understand why God allows things to happen, right? But you can imagine, you know, here's this guy, you know, his wife had an affair um, and he's left. I mean, he's left with, with nothing. So I asked him, I said, let's, let's look at your emotions. What are they? He said, well, he says, uh, I'm, I'm depressed. And I said, yeah. He said, I feel betrayed. I said, of course. He said, I feel abandoned. I feel afraid. I feel angry. I, and lastly, this was telling, he goes, and I feel like I'm not good enough. So his thoughts, you know, those are the emotions. His thoughts that we wrote down were, uh, if I can remember right, it was like, I must have been a bad husband or she wouldn't have had the affair. I must have been a bad dad or else I would have had the kids. And, you know, of course, finally, his, the last thought was, I'm, I'm not good enough. So the truth that we got to was that his good enough doesn't come from what others think of him. And I, I took him back, you know, to the verse that says, you know, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life you now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he was beginning to understand his good enough in that, that truth statement that we finally came back to where he was renewing his mind with. is, And it wasn't exactly, we, we took the scripture verses, I think it was out of, uh, let me think, it was Galatians chapter 2, I think it was 19 through 31, where Paul's talking about his identity doesn't come from his works, but comes from God who now resides in him. And that's, that's the key. That's the most important thing. That's where the power came from when he renewed his mind to realize whether she left him, someone thought he was a bad dad, whatever, his worth and value would never come from that. It comes from Christ being in him.
So as I am kind of wrapping this up, I want to take you to a verse that I want to read to you because I think this is something that it's important for all of us. When life feels like it's closing in and we're saying, when will this ever end? I want to take you back to 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 13. This is powerful. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, now this is Paul talking, who had been through everything. And he says, and so I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down, but what he did in fact was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. He says, at first I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Paul says, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving into my weakness. And so now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Friends, I just want to encourage you to know that all these trials that are going on, you're being made fit for the kingdom. So make the choice. Make the choice to renew your mind and stay the course. He has this. He cares about you, and you are deeply loved, my friend. We'll see you next time.